I was mobbing through the beach, yeah, the city by the sea. Mama tried to keep me home, but I love the fucking street. I was rolling and riding and gripping the grain, switching the lane while she giving me brain. My body flipping and flipping the cane. Fuck with the fam and the busting your brain. Ain't but the money can't hear what you say. Leave out the soul if it's give me my change. I do not change, that's why they hate me. I never fooled up when I'm playing the game. Scared in the hoes, I got bands on my feet. Beat it so dirty, it's gonna need bleach. Murder this shit, I'm a dog, I'm a beast. Out for the blood and I'm off for the leash. I'm at a height that you ain't gonna reach. When I step out, it be calling police. About to get Bobby, hold on to your seats. Pray for my enemies, resting in peace. How about the whip like I'm calling your sipping on something that you can't pronounce, huh? Blessing on anyone talking that shit. All these haters just sit on the couch, okay? My boy just sort of announced, okay? My boy run running your house, okay? Told him to do what you rush out of jail. I'm telling you, we got a bounce, okay? Money Welcome to another episode of For The Culture. Uh, the song you just heard was Push It Remix by Alexandros. I'm here with Chris today. We're going to have this conversation about Donald Trump becoming president and doing the immigration ban. And what, what, what did he say? He said it's not a ban on Muslims. It's a Muslim ban. Or it's not a Muslim ban. It's a ban on Muslims. Hashtag alternative facts. Just like... Listen, when we talk about these subjects, we've been talking about this for a year now. I think he's actually president already bothered me, but my biggest issue when we have to talk about subjects is that you're letting people win. You're letting hatred win. You know what I mean? When you do things like that, when you... Every time you do something like that, you cause a revolution, right? Yeah. But it's not even a, like the good type of revolution. What he's doing right now is like, oh, shit. It's a setup. Everything's a setup. Yeah. Everything is calculated. It's like, yeah, we're going to ban them. But if they bomb us, they had no reason to bomb us and be mad. <laughs> he was just creating like a whole new generation of race of of terrorists. Oh, but, but like it's just stupidity because like it's like people are like he will not divide us. He already has. They've already won. Yeah. Like they've already won. True. Like once you think about how it's done and how like the fact that he the moment Donald Trump was elected inaugurated, mm. we were fucked. Because mm. everything he's done, even when he did it, was just like it was like oh let's make this big event so he can sneak in other shit. There's yeah. other shit, yo. There's dirtier shit that this man's about to do. I feel like all the ignorant shit that he's been saying has been has slowly crossed over into Canada now with the shooting that happened in Quebec, which is just like a okay. F- listen, I, I love Canada, but their stories. I mean, pe- people act like, uh, or people act surprised that there's like all this racism going on, as if like the government hasn't been get- like in my city. They have like a one day a year where not like neo Nazis can march down like the streets of downtown Calgary and literally say like white power, and like the police have to like protect them from other protesters. Like people are acting shocked that racism is here in Canada. Oh, it's not it's not shocking. It's just like racism is a learned thing, man. Like you don't hate people unless you're taught to hate people. Like mm. it's not like or they do something that really fucks you over, you know what I mean? But like, for you to hate somebody like look at Halifax and Nova Scotia. There's bare racism on there. There's people who just don't like you because you're like there's mixed breed people. There's people yeah. who do not associate with each other and they're mixed breed. Mm. Like Halifax is Nova Scotia is pretty like it's pretty messed up down there. Yeah. So when you're looking at the fact is it's just people are not so blunt here in Ontario. They're, black people, listen, we had this conversation today with a white guy. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I can't believe that you guys are still afraid of cops. It shocked him. He's like, like he's like, I'm not trying to be ignorant because it doesn't happen to me. But he's like, you guys are actually still afraid of cops. Like I yeah. saw a black guy not jaywalk because he saw a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to get beat up and thrown in jail. Like that, that's no. But we live in a generation in a time of helplessness. We're we're looking at like we're in a, like the time is everybody wants to get away from the problems. So you got a problem with your chick or your main chick. Everybody's got a problem. Mm. You got to disappear. That's why everything. It, it was like why are they just making remakes, movies and stuff? Everything art is not. It's not meant to challenge you anymore. Yeah. It's meant to. It's literally meant for you to like. Once you start making music, right? doing anything that you do as an artist mm. at first it's for yourself you become creative yeah then you ask people's subjective opinion on it then you want to see if you can sell it it's, it's just the reality of the movement the better you get at something the more you want to this is a talent yeah mon- you want to monetize it you yeah, want to yeah. make money off of it you love doing it we live in a time where that's become the only thing you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and and it's like people gotta get theirs I gotta get mine I can't fuck with you you could be my boy but listen I gotta feed me first Hey man, it, it, I feel I feel bad. The the fact that he's banning 
going and banning people that have their green cards and are legal landed like immigrants, well, permanent residents, people that work for the government can't even get back well, in. This is the reality. This is the reality, though. This is this is our reality. Like my uncle is Haitian, and he has a green card. He can't leave the country because he doesn't know if he's getting back in. You can't get back as long as you're on one of in one of those seven countries he banned was Yemen, Sudan. Fucking Somalia. No, no, it's, it's deep. It goes deeper than that. Like yeah. it, it says those those countries, but it's really deep. Like it's to the point where we will not know what's going on in the states because America's always been a fucked up country. Everything that happens, like me, I'm a person. I'm a I'm a person. I like I don't like to put nobody in a pedestal. Mm. Humans are capable of mistakes. You understand your flaws. You got you got to be rational about shit. And we we've, we've lost rationality because everything is like shit. Bad. <laughs> We have it so bad, da da da. Like, I, I like people will get mad at me if I'm like, like I'm like, okay, cool. I understand women are marching, da da da. But I'm like, you you don't realize women around the world have it way worse than you. This is a first world problem. This is what I related to. And first people get mad problem. when you say things like that. It's like, yo, little girls get raped in other countries, and nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. You know, but and then this is this is why why what makes me laugh. This is I told I told this to a girl. She's like, how come when a girl gets raped, people don't believe her? You know why? Because you took something that was serious. Women mm. took something that was serious. Mm. And they said, and they started lying about it. Yeah, yeah. When you do that, you think everybody's going to believe you? When you cry wolf, people are not going to be like, because there's been cases where people have ended up in jail. For like tw- what, 10 years, 10, 15 years. And then and you've lied about that. Oh, you find and you're out. saying it's us being misogynistic? No, people have lied about that. Yeah. That's why we had to verify if you're not lying, because people have done that to spite a man. Mm. Like... You have to be honest with yourself and be like, even like I tell girls, you know, there's evil women out there. Yeah. Like, as men, we don't defend, we don't condone evil men. We're like, yo, this guy's a fucking asshole. We've, you know, we've all had that girlfriend that we've wanted been like, yo, this guy's gonna break your heart. Yeah. And like, she doesn't listen to you and she gets her heart broken and she hates all men and you're like, what, 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 what (laughs) did I just say? But it's like, I feel like on the flip side, if that was to happen to a guy, like when a a girl was to rape a guy and then the guy was to go, uh, oh, everybody would call you gay. No, but like this is a fact though. Yeah. Stereotypes exist, bro. Like if a good looking listen, if Jennifer <laughs> Lopez rolled up right here and said, "Yo, I'm tossed. Like I'm, I'm gonna, t- I'm giving you the boss forcibly," and every nigga in the court would look at me like, "Yo, you, yo, Jennifer Lopez raped you, Jalo, Rihanna raped you." Yo, if you don't no, want, no, if you, you didn't want it, you didn't take, want it. But, but take that, no, but like take that in because it's 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 just what it is in society. It's if Nicki Minaj rolls up, that's Nicki Minaj. She doesn't even have to force me. It's Nicki Minaj. Okay, like, but that's know. just this is what it is, though. <laughs> but if rape, is, rape culture, what it is, is just such an evil thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to lie about that, it's the most evil thing I've ever heard. Why would you lie about something like that? You know what I mean? Mm. And we live in a society where people cannot admit to the evils of the world. That's how Donald Trump happened. Because people are like, no, 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 it's not that serious. No, no. Right, I'm like, did you sweet. hear? Did you hear what this nigga was saying beforehand? He, We're gonna build a fucking wall and have Mexico pay for it. Who, who in God's name <laughs> says shit like that? Donald Trump. Like, you just, I just, like, I sit back and I'm taking aback at how people can let this happen. I'm like, oh, yo, you know what? And the thing is, you understand what, like, everybody's like, well, millennials this, millennials this. Well, <laughs> millennials didn't just fuck up the world for the next four years. <laughs> Bro, everything that has been done from Brexit to this to everything that you've done is you've made the decisions for us, for our future, and you fucked up our future. Yeah. That's what you've done. There's a, there, there, there might be a possible World War Three coming now that China and, and United States have issues, already Bro, have I'm tensions. Not really being, like, I'm looking at this list. I'm not going to find a bunker. I'm, like, I don't know what to do, bro. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm like, yo. The thing is, Canada does, should not get involved in anything. That's what, I, that's what I was saying yesterday. Is I think Canada should just remain a neutral country and be like, look, if you started the beef with China and China wants to re- retaliate, that is on you. Well, are you too close to the fucking border? What the fuck? <laughs> like, yo, Canadians want no problem like, like, yo, you know how much it's gonna cost tax but listen I, I'm already mad as shit with the taxes that get taken off my paychecks on a like on a two week basis imagine the amount of taxes that they would take from your shit if there was to be a world war 3 and Canada had to get involved uh, it's Toronto would be the first place that these niggas would drop bombs Tor- like Toronto is the capital of it It'd be the very Toronto and Vancouver would be the two places they aim to drop bombs in. I can promise you that. 
moving on to the next topic uh mike pence he got a donkey of the day today from charlemagne which is like fucking hilarious to me uh for the first the second day of black history month he shows appreciation to abraham lincoln a white guy instead of say like showing some type of appreciation to any of the black people that contributed to how america is today like what america is There's no point of really giving him donkey of the day. It's kind of like you knew this. Like what? Like what I don't get is when the world acts shocked about things like this. I'm like, yo, what? Like, Charlemagne, fam, you know this guy. You're the one who reiterated what he said and was like, I'm gonna play that clip for you guys and we'll be right back. Hey, well, donkey of the day for Thursday, February 2nd goes to the vice president of the United States of Apprehension, Mike Pence. Oh, yes, he is one of the leaders of the Legion of Doom, at least on paper. He's the second in command, even though really it's Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and then Mike Pence. But on paper, Mike Pence is the number two. Uh, This man is a man who believes in conversion shock therapy for gay people. If you don't know what conversion therapy is, it's a psychological treatment or spiritual counseling designed to change a person's sexual orientation from homosexual or bisexual to heterosexual. They can make a crooked line straight. So they say. (laughs) What they do is they take jumper cables and connect them to a car and then connect the other cables to your balls and then they try to shock the gay out you. What? If that don't work, they attempt to do an exorcism, throw holy water on you and pray the gay away. If everything I just said sounds like some BS, it's because it is. But that's what conversion therapy is, some BS. But that man is our vice president and clearly a man who believes in conversion therapy for gays has absolutely no empathy for what somebody is going through because if you don't respect a person's sexuality then you probably don't respect nothing about that person period if you if you believe in conversion therapy that means you think something is wrong with that person and if you think something is wrong with a person because of their sexuality then you probably think something is wrong with a person because of their race their gender their religion and whatever else they have going on that's not like you and yours well mike pence's lack of empathy was on full display yesterday when he tweeted out as black history month begins We remember when President Lincoln submitted the 13th Amendment ending slavery to the states. Hashtag National Freedom Day. Now, I posted that on my IG yesterday and a lot of people started saying that was a fake tweet. Listen, kids, I understand the world we live in full of alternative facts and fake news, but you got to do a little research. All you had to do was click on Mike Pence's Twitter page at VP and you could have saw the tweet for yourself. In contrast, when I posted a fake tweet yesterday of our celebrity in chief Donald Trump saying Black History Month starts tomorrow. So let me start the right way by sending some bottles to Charlemagne. A lot of people thought that was real. We have a a lot of work to do in our community, but we're going to get through it, okay? I won't allow y'all to be misled, so follow me. Now, back to Mike Pence. Now, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. We can debate. But Black History Month, also known as African American History Month, is an annual observance in the United States, right? Also in Canada and the United Kingdom, if I'm not mistaken, okay? It's for the remembrance of important people and events in the history of black people. Okay, all right. National Freedom Day is a United States observance on February 1st, honoring the signing of the 13th Amendment by Abraham Lincoln to the U.S. Constitution. President Lincoln signed the amendment outlawing slavery on February 1st, 1865. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like these are two totally different things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Black History Month is a time to praise our best and brightest. It's about learning about us and teaching about us. It's a celebration. Last thing we need is Mike Pence at the beginning of our month is a reminder that we used to be slaves. Okay. We know this already. All right. The reason you want to keep reminding us of slavery is because you want us to never forget that's what we were. And more importantly, you want some of us to still feel like we are there. That's why Hollywood has no problem greenlighting the slave movie because they love to keep the image of us being oppressed and victimized fresh in our mind. Okay, that's why the greatest slave movies ever, in my opinion, was Django and Birth of a Nation because Django and Nat Turner refused to be victims. One was fiction, one was nonfiction, but the story of revolution and liberation is all the same. Don't fall for Mike Pence's BS. I don't care what nobody said. That was a strategic tweet meant to keep their foot on our necks and remind us of what he would still like us to be. Please give Mike Pence the biggest hee-haw, please. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All kinds.
kind of things you can talk about during Black History yeah, Month. All, all kind of people you can celebrate. You don't have to keep <laughs> that harsh reminder of slavery fresh on my mind, mm-hmm. sir. Okay? And listen, don't let that devil rain on our parade. Black History Month is a celebration. I don't like talking about problems without talking about solutions. I was actually uh, building with Angela Rye. Drop one of the clues bombs for Angela Rye. Mm-hmm. I was building with her yesterday, and she had a great idea. You, you know the movie Hidden Figures? The story of Catherine G. Johnson and Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, the three black women who worked at NASA. We didn't know that story. So what we need to do every day during Black History Month, and even when it's not Black History Month, is we need to focus on a hidden figure. You know, a hidden figure. Find all these stories that we don't know about. A hidden figure from your state or your city, your town. Like a black person who contributed to the community, did great things that we may not know about. They teach us about Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, but we know about them. But what about those hidden figures, okay? We need to see that to remind ourselves and the Mike Pences of the world that we are and have been more than slaves. All right. Yeah, so you should do that on your Instagrams and social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can thank Angela Rye for that one. We're back. Man, I, for me, I thought that was that was funny shit. I was listening to that this morning. And I agree with everything he says. Like at the end, like at the end of the day, I get it. You're the vice president. You stand for the white guy, but it's Black History. Like at least say. Yeah, I What's thought, his name again? Uh, Mike Pence, I think. Mike right? Pence is meant to build the fence for the niggas and pull the niggas and knock niggas back on 48 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And speaking of, speaking of Black History Month, Donald Trump changed Black History Month to African American African American History instead of Black History Month. And people are upset about that. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of black. black is simple. Black is straight to the point. This is I am. My prison is black like, and my Lambo is blue. Nah. I just died because I can't say that anymore. Hey man, it is. You don't understand. Yeah. Obama winning the election wasn't just a thing for Americans. It was a thing for black people. Mm. Like, like if if like, what makes me laugh is all these niggas say stupid shit like, "Oh, go back to Africa." Africa don't want your ass. Yeah. It- you know what I mean? Mm. Like, Africa got, has its own problems. You know? Yeah. Like, when you look at a world where you're like, yo, there are issues in my own thing. And then I gotta sit back and now I realize I'm African? Yeah. It doesn't work like that, fam. Hey. It doesn't work like that. Your job as a black man was to educate yourself and educate your people. Mm. And yo, real shit, there's gotta be a point where we have to be accountable for some of the mistakes and we took in this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We gotta be accountable. We talk about gang shit. We talk about all this stuff. And it's a part of our lives. I get it. We gotta be accountable. Donald Trump wants to send pe- like the army to Mexico. He's threatening to send the army into Chicago. I'm like, okay. I don't get how. I don't I don't know how that's gonna play out. Yeah, like, I put my money on Chicago. Like the shy rat kids. Like, you, like you, you're gonna send in... <laughs> you gonna send in an art? You think any of these kids give a fuck? Like, do you honestly oh, think they would give a fuck? That's the smartest thing. If they don't give a fuck, then they don't care to die. Exactly. exactly. And, and, They're gonna and, run and, up and to these officers. But officers are gonna lose their lives. What is the best way to kill If I come into your place, right? And I want to kill you. And I come up to any. You could preach self defense all you want. This is legal should be dragging. Doesn't yeah. matter if you yeah. get self you can still go to jail for self-defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the beauty of the world we live in. That's fucked up. So if somebody tries to kill me and I kill them, their family could be like, yo, listen, we're gonna put you in the court. I'm like, yo, 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 he came after me. What the fuck? Yeah. It's and true. That's what's happening. That's the most intelligent. That's the most intelligent scheme. Farrakhan said this like four years ago. Mm. Farrakhan's like, they're gonna come into Chicago. He's like, yo, watch what the fuck is gonna happen in Chicago. Everything that was holy. It's the worst thing when somebody calls something. You know what's you know what's trippy about Farrakhan is that he said that God told him that like Americans are going to suffer unless if they repent from their sins. And I guess this is what he meant by Trump because like getting into power now and the whole world is like flipped upside down. It took a week. It took to fuck up everything. It took a week for everybody to realize, yo, this shit's real. Like, people are taken aback. They're so shocked. Yo, and I know you're gonna love this topic. Is Meek Mill broke up with Nicki Minaj and picture 
popped up on like Instagram and social media of Nicki Minaj and Drake <laughs> and, and, and Lil Wayne in a picture. First, there's a picture of uh, of Drake and Nicki Minaj. Who's not talking about Drake? I don't like, I don't like him anymore. No, listen, I, I I the thing with me is I'm a logical thinker, and I admit when you know I yeah. I look at both sides of the like, I feel I, so, I feel bad for me. He deleted his Instagram. Like I feel bad. I for just, oh, I, I don't feel bad for. Me. I feel. First of all, I'm already at the stage where I'm, I'm looking for. I want. Was well, he gonna go next to this careers? Like, like that was. Oh, you're finally realizing this like, now. I, I'm now, so now mad. Now it's open. Now it's open your eyes. When, when I was so, telling you this shit, and you never I'm happy. so mad. I'm actually so mad. I don't. You, I'm mad just for say, me. Just say it now. Chris was right. No. No. Just I say Chris was right. I, I refuse. Chris was right. Just say it. I, I. I just feel. Like, I'm like, damn. She has new music coming out with Major Lazer and Cardi next She bro. has new music coming out with Drake soon. It's a rap, like... I'm tired of hearing out. I just don't care anymore. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm, not in, I'm not impressed by anything that they can put out now. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, like, like yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm from, like, I'm girls kissing girls, Nikki. That was my Nikki. Mm. You know, I grew up with Nikki when she was with Gucci. Like, girls kissing girls. Me and her. Like, my, that's my hood shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, Pink Print was actually pretty solid. It was a more of an emotional project. There was emotion put into it. But I grew up on that Nikki. So, like, I just don't kind of, like, I'm, like, I, I respect you after grow as an artist and do a lot of stuff. And she has grown. She's a pop sensation. Mm. Wonderful. I wish her, that, like, I really, like, I think she's a wonderful woman. Like, mm. at, from a standpoint of, like, being a black man to respect a strong woman, like, I'm like, yo, 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 you, you get your shit. And plus, we fall into the same star sign, so, I, you know, I can, I can fuck with it. But, yeah. Drake, to me, like, I've said it's many corny, times, he's just corny. He's just, he's just somebody I just, I don't know if he has a personality. Like, I look at him and I'm like, I, I, I can't vibe with you. Like, are you, who's Aubrey? Who's Aubrey Graham? Like, who are you? Like, I feel like he's been acting his whole career. He, I think he just, I feel like he just takes people's styles and runs with it and then make, just makes hits off of people's styles and then moves on to the next hot thing. But it is what it is. Well, he was the smartest. When YG was coming up, he got in a song quick. Well, and people don't know that Mac Miller discovered YG and put YG on. Most random people will discover mm-hmm. people. That's true. But with that being said, uh, before we go, uh, I'm going to play a little bit of that Major Lazer song featuring Nicki Minaj. And before that, Chris, is there a moral to this story? Moral to the story, what Nicki Minaj is saying? Moral to this whole Donald Trump thing. What, what, what is something that you could tell people to get people out of their feelings? It's your fault. It's true. Like I can't. It is their fault, you know. Mm. Like, cause they saw it happen. Mm. They like, they didn't get themselves educated. This should never have happened. Never. He shouldn't have been even allowed to run. Mm. You know, based on who he, what credentials did he have? What did he do? He's a celebrity in chief. He opened up a fake. <laughs> no, he opened up a fake university. Like, there's so many things were in the clear. Mm. It's your fault. Now. It's either you stand together or you let him divide you. You stand together and you say, okay, this is what it really is. We'll stop doing this shit. We clean up our neighborhoods. We do things. We do things to help us because this guy's not going to help us. Mm. If you can't eat today, I'm going to help you eat. Mm. You know? Yeah. Whatever money I got left over, I got you. Mm. If we need to go into this Hitler Nazi thing and hide some immigrants that have been good for us, we need to do that. Met Yees, you got a high end Frank, hide him. Because this man might open up a concentration camp next week. Hey, you never know. You never know. You know, what I have to say is build bridges, not walls. And with that, we'll get into this mix and then we'll get into this interview that I had with Adam Fox, who is the National Music Center Program Director. We'll be right back. I'm a Renabri. 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 Brother used to being quiet. Till I brought that loud. You say your dollars is a mountain. And your mama, you're accountant. 
You watch your figures, you a big deal. Got your fresh prince and a big wheel. Polo mink coat, that's a big kill. Put you on the phone like a windshield. I'll admit I'm wrong, but I know that you gon' come for me. Never gonna not hit that. Your loving is just too me. And every time you hit my phone, you say you need company. I'm a Renabo. 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 Major keys, I'm the boss. Don't Griselda go off? Left from the loft and went to Bergdorf. Most of these dudes is really quite soft. 45 special, this is my cloth. Got to drop an album, this is my fourth. I don't put sugar in my spaghetti sauce. Drop a freestyle and get these hoes perched. Fire burn, they orb your Pan lock them walk hood. Just link with some hot girl out of road. Show me up the way a small pretty bus wine. Rolex and the pan on the girl. So today I'll be interviewing Adam Fox, who is the director of programs at the National Music Center. His background includes a staff writer for the Room magazine, uh, music programming director at C Jams 99.1 FM, regional correspondent for CBC's Bandwidth, and the program director at 105 FM Radio Inc. He was the station manager at C Jams 99.1 FM as well, and he was the content director for CKUA Radio Network. Thank you for joining me today because I know you have a busy schedule. Oh, my pleasure, man. Uh, my first question is, when did you know you wanted to get into a career in music or entertainment industry, as we like to call it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to have a career in music, you, you've got to be able to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. You know, I think when I was when I was growing up, I, I grew up um, um, south of uh, Detroit, Michigan, and I um, near Windsor, Ontario. And... Um, I grew up on a farm and uh, a bit far out of, you know, there wasn't a lot of um, necessarily diversity of culture um, where I grew up per se, but I think listening to the radio, um, I became a radio junkie at a very young age. I, I fell in love with the medium. Um, I fell in love with music. Um, music was always my primary source of entertainment and inspiration. And I think I just knew from, I just knew I, like, I don't even remember the epiphany. I just knew that that was something I was going to be involved with. Um, whether and, and I have been throughout my entire, you know, as long as I've been able to make decisions for myself, I've been involved in music in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, I think radio was the, was the, uh, the gateway drug for me on that. A lot, of, a lot of the people I've met, um, I like a lot of the executives and presidents and stuff that I've asked that same question, they all kind of give me the, they all come from a very like weird background like I interviewed the president of Pop Guru yeah. and he comes from like, uh, like a super small town somewhere oh, in yeah. Halifax yeah. which is like he's just basically the same thing he grew up out like in the middle of nowhere and yeah. he got and he, he found bad members and that was his start into music so yeah I, th- I think you see that you know like look at a, look at a city like um, like Winnipeg it's I mean, it's a, it's a larger city, you know, by Canadian standards, but it's it's kind of remote, mm. you know? It's kind of, you kind of have to make your own thing happen, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and I think and I think uh, it's the same when you grow up in a small town and you grew up in a, in a, in a remote area. Um, music and culture, you, you kind of have to make your own. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody else is going to bring it to you. Yeah, there was, def- there was less of the music culture growing up here in Calgary. Uh, I think I got, I don't even know, I got lucky because of the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. more or less as I was getting into trouble and all that, and I think I happened to stumble onto the Boys and Girls Club, and I wondered what it was, and yeah. I walked in, and like, they do, a whole, they used to do a whole bunch of programs and stuff like that with at Trouble Youth, and they kind of got me into like the music, the whole music thing, and I guess it was, don't look back from, I won't ever look back from there, or from that point onwards, so. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point, I mean, I, I I started playing in bands and uh, um, writing music, and um, you know, in an organized way when I was 15, I guess. You know, so uh, right in, right when I kind of began high school, and I think I think doing that was really important, not only because it, it gave me a passion and it, it, it forced me to have some discipline yeah. to uh, to a to learn an instrument and 
and B to to play well with others. Yeah. You know, to, to it, it forced a kind of social integration that I think was really valuable. And certainly, that's those are some things that we, we outcomes that we at the National Music Center hope to um, hope to realize in. Uh, program participants, uh, programs like Jam Club, where yeah. we want kids to be able to come here and have similar experiences. Yeah. I actually want to speak about Jam Club. Where, where did you guys kind of come up with that idea to have kids come in here and to kind of just develop their, mu- I guess, musical aspirations from mm-hmm. such a young age? Yeah, I mean, the, the program that we we have today evolved from from just a really excellent grassroots program called Guitar Club um, that um, some local uh, folks, uh, Mike Good, and, um, uh, but um, I, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of potential in a city like Calgary and in a province like Alberta. Um, there's a history of musical support here. Like the festival scene is so, so strong. Um, there are so many um, independent music clubs. There are tons and tons of great um, micro scenes in both of those cities. So I think we certainly hope that the National Music Center can be um, kind of a foundational hub for music in uh, in the province and hopefully in Western Canada as well. Nice. Um, who gave you your first like radio job at C Jams ninety nine point one FM? Who gave you my first job? Yeah. I guess it was Christian Gagne. He was uh, he was the station manager at the time. Um, the previous music director had. Uh, had departed, and I was just volunteering there. I was, I was an undergrad student uh, studying English literature, and um, and I just I loved the culture. I loved the vibe of the place. I, I you know was aware of the station because as a local musician, I would listen to it because they played music that I'd like to like to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started volunteering, um, doing data entry for um, uh, their vinyl library, which they were trying to load up digitally um you know bring it into the into the late 90s <laughs> so um, age, yeah. so yeah so that was that was kind of my that was my first shot i guess in, in the early thousands and then about 2003 i was hired on uh and i thought wow it's amazing i get to listen to records and they pay me money for it wow how did that like how did your time there help shape like your career over time well i think it helped shape my career in so far, well, in a lot of ways. I mean, from a career perspective, it, it gave me a chance to manage people, mm-hmm. uh, to work, um, to kind of coordinate volunteer work, to manage programming staff, to train, uh, to work uh, at developing my own radio skills and kind of translating those skills for other other kids um, and other and not only kids but uh, members of the community. But I think I think the big thing that I learned from that from that job, being a music director at a, at a campus community radio station, is it exposed me to so much music. I was always a like a, a musically hungry person, like yeah. I wanted to learn more about different kinds of music, um, and I, you know, I fancied myself as somebody with pretty eclectic and broad tastes. But working in that station exposed me to so much amazing music from around the world, music that I didn't think I would appreciate or enjoy, mm. and it just it, it blew my mind. It op- it opened my mind to uh, to a point where I, I finally believed you know before I started that job I probably would have said yeah there's there's bad types of music I don't believe that anymore I don't think there is a bad genre of music there's bad music in every genre yeah but there's no bad music yeah what was the I guess the like song or artist that kind of or changed your I guess ideas of good music versus bad music and what good and bad music I, I don't know I still think that happens on a daily basis you know I mean there was a time when I thought music was just something my grandpa listened to, basically it was whatever, but then I heard a guy like Towns Van Zandt and Steve Earle, and that changed my perspective. You know, there was a time when, uh, yeah, where I didn't think, um, you know, quote-unquote world music was something that I would appreciate, and then I heard Nusrat Fatieli Khan sing, and I was wow. like, I had my mind blown, you know, so I think it's still happening. I mean, there's still music that I'm getting exposed to, and new genres of music that are evolving that... Um, that I'd never heard before, and so I think, I think, I think, staying open, being—it's not easy to stay open. You have to work at it. I think as you get old, you get ignorant and stubborn. Yeah. And so you have to fight against it, and that's something that I think music provides for me is a sense of excitement and adventure, and I think it, uh, it creates an entry point to learn about different cultures and learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. Funny because like growing up in Calgary, everybody kind of, especially when I got to Toronto, everybody kind of assumed that. You are you would be into country music, which, <laughs> okay. which, yeah. Which which I, I, I like at the time I guess I wasn't uh, growing up in Calgary I wasn't that big I 
used to think country music was should stay on that side and I'll stay on the opposite side. Right. Um, but I, I guess kind of going into like the whole music scene, I saw I I don't know who played me like a as funny as it sounds like a Blake Shelton song. Yeah. I don't know who played me. That's I forget which one of my friends played me that uh, specific one. Yeah. I believe it was like one of the one of the girls that I used to hang out with here. She's like before you start judging yeah check this out no, yeah, yeah and yeah. that that was kind of like okay yeah. <laughs> i was like okay that that was like, country music isn't as bad bad as it seemed yeah, everybody's got their preferences and, and no one's preference is wrong mm-hmm. you know that's the great thing about art is it's totally subjective mm-hmm. like we decide what we like um but i think if people open their ears a little bit and just let down some of their guards they, they can appreciate you know there's just there's just there's so much and there's so much out there that yeah. hasn't been heard yeah. uh, now as the music programming director one of your responsibilities was to coordinate and schedule interviews with touring artists mm-hmm. who was the most memorable artist that you met throughout your or some of the most memorable artists that you've met throughout your career yeah well I mean I mean you know when you're working at Campus Community Radio um, you get a lot of cool indie acts that come through and, and you might be artists that And certainly, I had some some awesome moments doing that. Although I would say, you know, in in the last half decade or so since I moved to Alberta, it's funny. I, I mean, I've met so many more high-profile artists um, just due to the work that I'm doing. Um, but I would say, I think one of the best encounters I had with an artist was uh, with an artist named Betty Lovett. Do you know who she is? She's from Detroit, and um, she was she kind of grew up at. Um, the shadow. She was she was almost a huge Motown star for Motown. Really? In the, yeah, yeah, during that era. Um, but she kind of she just she had a it just didn't happen for her. You know, she was a she was in that mix. She was, she was there, playing. She was there. Ambitious. But it just yeah, there was some person. You know, the business is tough. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, yeah, but she kind of ended up surviving and had a bit of a revival of her career in, uh, in the early thousands. chance to meet her, uh, scheduled for her for an interview actually backstage at Calgary Folk Fest, and uh, yeah, and uh, at the time I was kind of, uh, I was missing home, and uh, and growing up uh, just across the river from Detroit, I mean, I, was, I grew up on that music, mm-hmm. I grew up on um, hanging out in that city, and, and I was feeling a bit nostalgic, and I just mentioned, you know, we started talking, and she, and she's like, she's literally, she's like, started crying and I'm backstage and I miss my family and I start crying and we start hugging and I'm just like oh man this is a pretty crazy experience but that's up that's up there for sure but yeah I think meeting Rush was a career highlight for me um, one of my teachers actually also managed Rush which is oh yeah because my all the teachers that or all my professors I should mm-hmm. say all either work still work in the or all of them still work I shouldn't say should still work but they all of them still currently work in the industry and mm-hmm. have uh, either manage some of the biggest acts or were involved in that right. circle. So they always tell us stories about like Rush and stuff like that. Like we've gone to see a lot of, uh, I guess they played videos and certain things yeah. for us. And like it's one of those more interesting things mm-hmm. uh, where I actually didn't know that Blue Rodeo was like one of the biggest Canadian music acts. Yeah, yeah huge. Would, yeah. Until I got to that school and they said like. <laughs> But um, yeah, that was one probably one of my cooler experiences so yeah. far. Um, you also you also held the regional correspondence uh, like position for bandwidth on yeah. CBC, mm-hmm. um, where one of your responsibilities that you held there um, was to interview like artists. Do you have any favorite interviews that you can like tell? Um, no, I mean for, for that for that position, it was really about trying to connect um, connect CBC audiences to to local music scenes mm. and so for me my, my job is really to try to connect uh, to tell stories about uh, local and regional artists and I we covered a local band called uh, um, uh, the Golden Hands Before God Conducts Magical and it had a really long name so I was trying <laughs> to explain how their long name worked and, and, uh, and what they did so that was always fun for me too is just um, you know getting a chance to promote um, maybe underrecognized or obscure um, local and regional talent and that's something that 
Uh, how big is the folk music scene here in Calgary? Or the folk music scene yeah, in Calgary? Oh, it's huge. I think I think in Alberta in general, it's got one of the strongest I didn't roots. Even, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually did not even know that because yeah. they talk about like folk music is big in Toronto, but I didn't understand. I don't even understand how like it, it goes under the radar in Alberta and Cal- like Calgary. Yeah, I mean, we'll look at the folk festivals here. I mean, uh, you got two of the um, two of the stronger music festivals in the country. no question I mean there's a circuit of um, of kind of local and regional promoters that, that uh, promote folk music um, you've got uh, folk music clubs independent folk music clubs in, uh, especially in Edmonton really strong mm-hmm. yeah folk music I think I think there's just this yeah there's always been a lot of roots music I, you know in some ways I think that it's a misnomer that there's a lot of country music that comes out of Calgary I think yeah but I don't think there's anywhere near as much country music as there is folk music folk and uh, roots music there's there's just a ton of it and, uh, I actually did not know that yeah, until now yeah. you learn something new every day that's right uh, one of my favorite facts about you is that you coordinated the fundraising initiative um, the including annual pledge drive which increased its revenue streams by like 40% which is like that's super um, how did you influence that annual pledge drive and what did you gain from that experience uh, yeah I mean it's going back a bit but um, you know the, the reality is is when you work in, in the not-for-profit sector um, when you produce um, content that people can get for free you have to remind them of why their support is really important um, and so I think the thing for, for me um, was is really one of the keys to success for me and my work has been um, is communication and, and ultimately what you what you want to do is communicate clearly with um, with your stakeholders with your network with your people and and engage them and remind them of why they value what it is that you do and remind them of what their job is to do to support that and so I think it was just about communication clarity um, you know give, reminding folks and entertaining them too reminding them that this is something so yeah, I guess I guess that was probably the success. But I mean, in this new organization that we work at, um, that I work in here, you know, fundraising is still something that's, that's a perpetual job. It's not just the job of people that work in our development office. It's everyone's responsibility. And so I would say I learned a lot of things at that position um, that I'm applying today. Um, you know, we do a lot of grant writing here. Uh, we do uh, we do a lot of um, fundraising and uh, soliciting donors and inviting donors to come in and support. When you should talk about grant writing. Um, one question I actually want to ask you is, how do you feel about like the fact, like a uh, factor or organizations, Canadian government mm-hmm. organizations like Factor, um, where there's certain artists that feel like they don't um, necessarily get as much opportunity as the more known artists. Sure. Um, sure. What, what what do you feel about Factor? Uh, what I feel, I think it's less about what I feel about Factor and more about what I feel about. Um, Canadian music and, and the um, and some of the um, mechanisms we have to support Canadian music. Uh, you know, if you if you survey different countries, you'll find different modes of support. Um, I would say Canada is well well ahead of uh, a place like the United States. Um, you know, we have a lot more uh, uh, a lot more avenues for artists to find money to support things that they want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have unlimited amounts of cash two things and and one of the I think I think this is one of the best times ever to be alive as far as music and if you love music you can find it you can find it you know it's it's a limitless universe of options um, and and the technology's never been easier I mean you've got a recording studio on your lap there right yeah um, having said that though which means more and more people can make music and that's a good thing yeah. it's I, I'm all for more voices uh, being Themselves. How, but however, one of the downsides of that is um, there's a ton of supply and great demand. And so you've got lots and lots of artists that want to express themselves and only so many audience, so much audience that um, has the time to hear them. Um, so I think it is, it's, it is a great time to make music, but it's also the most competitive it's ever been. Yeah. And so I think that you're, 
always going to have critics of any funding system that's in place, but I think overall uh, Canada does pretty well compared to international comparisons. Doesn't mean we can't improve it, but um, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, and I've been a musician myself. I've been turned down on grants. Uh, I've gotten some grants and not gotten some others, and uh, I know it's frustrating when you don't get a grant, but that's. Uh, you know, them's the breaks. At least we've got some mechanisms for funding and supporting it. And I know there's a lot of artists and, and performers in Canada um, for whom, uh, without that support, it would be impossible to support a, a tour mm. or uh, support a commercial release. So I think um, it is still an important aspect of the commercial memory industry. Some of that support from organizations like that. Yeah. How was what was the feeling like when you like got that phone call that you were going to be like the program director for the National Music Center? the transition like uh, having to move to Alberta yeah well I mean I was living in Edmonton already I moved to Edmonton in 2012 so I was working for CKUA uh, at the time Alberta's uh, uh, public radio network and uh, yeah I mean it, well I mean it was I was uh, I was over the moon I, I knew about this project and at the time this, this building was finished um, a lot of it was very theoretical there was still a lot of work to do a lot of planning to do I've been involved with the organization and some other initiatives before, and I knew that they were um, well positioned to be successful. And I thought this is too this is too exciting a project to not be part of. And uh, the fact that they wanted to to have a joint team was just you know, I'm still I'm still you know I'm still glowing. What can I say? <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm a lucky man. Happens. Yeah. Um, what roles do you think that? you yourself would play within the music industry, I guess, within, I guess, in the bigger scheme of things. Sorry, can you rephrase that? Um, I guess, well, it being in your position as the program director here at the yeah. National Music Center, what uh, what roles do you think that you play in, in the whole... Music, like, where do I fit in yeah, the ecosystem? In, in the culture of music, I should say. I'll with my current that. role? Yeah, with your current role. Well, it's interesting. I think... I think the music industry needs the National Music Center. I think I think music in Canada needs a national music center, and I think um, I think it's an exciting time to do that. I think I think we, we serve the industry. I think we serve uh, the communities of uh, musicians. I think we serve fans. Uh, I think we serve um, kids and uh, and people that want to learn more about music and, and connect more to music and connect more through music. Um, and so, what role do I play? Well, I mean. In a lot of ways, I feel like uh, I'm an ambassador uh, for music. I think I am. Uh, I get to serve as a conduit for music. Mm -hmm. um, my job is to kind of reach out and develop partnerships with uh, industry and, and uh, artist communities and music communities to help tell their stories. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I guess a you know, facilitator, ambassador, um, enabler, um, all those things. And I think, and also, you know, I'm fighting and championing to try to find. Um, you know, more resources for artists to be able to continue to um, to evolve creatively, artistically, and also commercially. Uh, how, what effects have you seen so far that the national, uh, while the National Music Center has been open, what effects in the music like scene in Calgary? Uh, what effect have you seen it uh, give to the city? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, certainly, I think we've given something. You know, from a from a purely um, economic standpoint. We've, I think we've really helped anchor the East Village here. Um, I think this organization um, is creating um, a, an attractive destination for tourism. Yeah, um, definitely. I think this, uh, there's going to be lots of um, cascading economic impacts for Calgary and for regional uh, commerce because of that. I think locally, um, you know, we're providing opportunities for artists. Um, you know, a lot of our programs, we, you know, we pay local and regional artists to come in and perform. Jam Club, for example, helps uh, not only the kids that come and enjoy um, the, the programs here, but it also helps employ local musicians and educators, um, so there's outcomes there. Uh, you know, we've hosted an artist manager boot camp in collaboration with Opera Music, wow. Coalition Music, um, creating opportunities for um, artist entrepreneurs and budding artist managers to learn more about the industry and the business, um, so we're creating opportunities for people to develop those skills. For a master residence program, we bring in uh, high-profile Canadian talent, whether they be songwriters, lyricists, arrangers, producers, music industry professionals, lawyers, whatever. 
chance to work, uh, we get emerging artists a chance to work with those artists on the panel by front them. So uh, that program, I think, is providing incredible benefits to the artists that take part. So, you know, I think there's a lot. I think we still hope to grow and continue to expand. We, we foresee a time when there will be, you know, 250 shows a year. You know, where our performance hall and the King Eddie stage are active, vibrant places that are, that are featuring music around the clock. Um, where we are seen as a place that uh, not only uh, has a lot of opportunities for people to experience live music, but we're, we're boosting the, mu the local music and regional music scenes because these artists are having great shows here. They're encouraging people to come out. More and more people are coming out to see live music and valuing live music as a, as a really important entertainment option. So. I think, yeah, the sky's the limit as far as the outcomes we can have. I think right now we're still um, getting our feet under us, learning the spaces, learning what works and what doesn't. But, um, but yeah, I think we've seen some great outcomes, but there's still um, there's still so much that we that I want to see us do and expand those outcomes for for, for lots of different things. I actually wanted to ask you this earlier, but who um, I guess gave the idea to kind of include the national landmark here in Calgary? and encompass it into the National Music Center. Hey, the National Music Center is the brainchild of our, our, uh, our leader, Andrew Oscar. Uh, you know, NMC evolved from uh, you know, its early stages as an international organ festival uh, based here in Calgary. From there, it evolved into uh, a keyboard museum, and then eventually um, into the Cantos Music Foundation. Um, but Andrew always had a vision that this could be not only, you know, a collection of instruments uh, or an exhibition, but that this could be a place that um, that filled a need, a, a, a really glaring uh, omission in the Canadian musical landscape, which is to have a home for music in Canada. And so that vision really was born um, in about 2008. And, uh, yeah, and, and to take that idea and to, to find support to build a 191 so that to bring this together, it's, uh, it's a phenomenal. Does Bell hold like some, or Bell Media, I should say, do they hold like some type of stake in the uh, National Music Center? Bell, uh, not to, Bell Media supports our, our creative self-directed artist residency program, but uh, the name of the facility, Bell and Bell Media are two separate divisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but Bell uh, is the naming sponsor for the facility, that's why it's called Studio Bell. Yeah. So we have a um, we have a multi-year agreement with them for the name of the space, and they're an important partner for us because um, A, they helped us build this thing, mm. and B, uh, they share a lot of the same goals as far as connecting people with media and music, and, um, and they've been a great sponsor for us, not only from the capital side, but on the programming side too. That's really cool. My, uh, now my last question that I want to ask you is what advice would you give to uh, both students or anybody that's pursuing a career in the music industry? Ask yourself why. Why? Why are you pursuing a career in music? What is it about music that that you love? I think I think that would be first and foremost because it's not an easy industry to work in. Um, it demands a lot. It asks a lot. It's hard. You will go through periods of underemployment and unemployment. Um, but if you love what you do and if you're passionate about it, um, I'd say just keep at it. I think I think. Those that survive in the industry and, and that are able to come in and do so because they are, they've got a lot of different skills and they can apply them because you have to do different things at different times. Some of the most successful musicians I know that are actually working in music directly, they're producers, they're songwriters, they are um, strong instrument instrumental artists. They, so they can produce a record, they can write the lyrics, they can promote it, they can go out on the road and tour for six months, they can come back, uh, they can record a, a commercial jingle session. Um, you, you need to be able to wear a lot of different hats or really, really specialize and become the best in the world at one thing. If you feel you can do that, then just focus. But if not, learn a few different things because you're gonna have to do a few different jobs to stay, to keep, to stay alive in this industry. I appreciate that. I actually agree with that. I agree because before I left Calgary, I had to figure out what I wanted to do in terms of a career. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was more or less one of those like kids that would 
talk to their friends about like every aspect of the music industry, music like every, up to a point where your friends would just be like turn around, and be like we don't care. Yeah, dude, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, I think got to a point where I thought I, I knew a whole bunch of producers and artists and whatnot. And they're just like go do the music, go do your, go. Do, uh, you should take that music mm-hmm. school route and see what you can do with it. Yeah. And I guess I'm here now. So. Yeah. I, and I would say you know focus on your strengths. Like be 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 intelligent. Doesn't mean you shouldn't develop other strengths, but know what you're good at, and, and make sure you really nail that piece. And for me, I was you know I can play guitar, I can sing, I can do stuff. But the thing that I was always good at was communicating and writing. So I you know I focused on that and picked up some other skills along the way. Um, and manage your money. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Save your cash. Make some dough, put it away. Salt it away. Yeah. That's a lesson I wish I would have learned when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's something that my mom always drilled in me, but I always seem to forget sometimes. Well, you know, you see a, you see a, a hot pair of headphones. Uh, yeah. You don't, but you don't need it. You can make good with a lot of other stuff too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Five, I like five hundred dollar. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if I uh, sometimes I'll regret it and walk into Walmart and just spend five hundred dollars on the headphones without even thinking twice, and then kind of regret it afterwards. But yeah, it it, it, it lasts you six years. Well, yeah. I mean, buy once and, and buy smart, but don't buy all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you again for hey, joining me again. My pleasure. It. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. That is it for today's show. A big thank you to Adam Fox for making time in his busy schedule to chop it up with me. A big shout out to my co-host Chris for joining me every other week. Shout out to Alexandros. His Push It remix was the intro song to today's episode. You can find him on Instagram and on SoundCloud at Alexandros V. That is spelled A-L-E-X. A-N-D-R-O-S-V-E-E A big shout out to my new favorite Toronto artist right now His name is Patrick, that's spelled P-A-T-R-I-K His record, Gangster Hippie, will be played at the end of today's show So please stay tuned for that Um, Guys, in the spirit of Black History Month I will leave you with some Black Canadian history instead of a quote today So, you know, until the next time I am your host, Remy, and this is For the Culture Richard Pierpoint was one of thousands of black loyalists who won their freedom in the American Revolution. 30 years later, at the age of 68, he petitioned for an all-black unit that would defend Upper Canada during the War of 1812. Causing damage, them 1990 babies kids Thank you Jesus for the blessings No more tactics for you Satan But you can try if you like No more of me living immoral I'm not immortal But my combat is still moral type Living this life Hopefully living it right Hippie brought back to the light Yeah. Hippie brought back through the light The government's still trying to find me uh-huh. All you new gangsters don't mind me yeah. Cause all of you gangsters remind me or somewhere I was for we found me. Gangsters stroll around the road. Hippies treat life like it's cold. Where I be, I wouldn't know. But God, he refueled up my soul. The hippie. The hippie. Yeah. The hippie. The hippie. Yeah. You see the outcome. Guns never been caught without one. Jelly myself till I'm out now. Birth through a figures of packs. I swear that I cannot look back. 
Hello God, thank you for mellow nods. My future was hella odd. Still they debate my creator. Fruitful Ricada, forced to me fathers like Vader. Negatives leave me alone. Filling my tone, spread love like it's Tony Tone. Tony the Tiger Gray. Love your neighbor like my estate. The government still trying to find me. All you new gangsters don't mind me. Cause all of you gangsters remind me of somewhere I was before he found me. Gangsters stroll around the road. Hippies treat life like it's gold. Where I be, I wouldn't know. But God, he refueled up my soul. The hippie.